When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. An Erio's original. The great fable in America is that black can be defined, but white can't. How white people are allowed so much nuance. That's just something that people do, but when I do something, it's a black thing. Hi, this is Margaret Cho. Welcome to The Margaret Show. Today we have my friend. She is an author, a poet, a musician, a model, an actress. Um, she wrote a piece on Medium called Dear White Friends. I see right through your hashtag Black Lives Matter posts, among others. Lots of poetry collections. Um, she is a really, really cool lady and a friend of mine. We have Elise Sizek. Hi. Hi. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I've got some weird anxiety today, but other than that, I'm doing okay. Um, it's an anxious time. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's an anxious time. It's like a million things are happening. It's an anxious time. It's a crazy time. I mean, there's a global pandemic. There's... Mm-hmm. Um, People dying, people being killed by the police, black people being killed by the police. Yes. Daily. 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 And it's it's being, it's being shared so, so much. Yes. Um, It's not that this hasn't been happening because it has been happening for a long time, but I do believe that it's getting, that it's a little bit worse because of the. Like it's it's no longer something that people can escape from. It's something right. that is so to the it's like right up in front of our faces. As soon as right. we open our phones, we're seeing it, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it is it is a lot. This has been happening for five hundred years. Mm-hmm. And it's been happening daily for five hundred years. Like it's like but we've been hiding it from ourselves we've been hiding it from each other and we're trying to stop it and it's like the horrible fact is is that we've kept it a secret from ourselves yes exactly it's partially been you know under wraps because the people that are doing it feel like they're entitled to it and so the narrative has been changed around it for a long time Mm -hmm. um that's why you know 
like five, 10 years ago, when someone was killed by police, the first thing that everyone would say was, well, what did that person do? Because they must have deserved it in one way or another. Right. There must have been something that they did mm-hmm. that brought that on themselves. Mm-hmm. And now we're finally looking at this perspective in the way that's like, we have, we have people out there that are abusing their power on a daily basis. Right. It hurts my heart that mm-hmm. the voices of black people, of black families, of people that have been killed, um, haven't been heard until there's a video that white people can't hide from, you know? We can't deny it. We can't deny it because we're seeing it. And it's like we had to make technology catch up to our actions. Like we Mm -hmm. had to like wait till we had um, like a witness in our phones, in our like the technology had to catch up to us till we we had a physical witness. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, it's, it's really, I'm trying to word this, this correctly, but it's a kind of along the same lines as how, you know, like rape and sexual assault had been happening for a really long time against women and women were yeah. speaking up about it and speaking up against it. And the argument was always like, well, I mean, who are we to really believe in this situation? And it was always, well, like that guy couldn't have been that awful like they have we have this idea of what a bad guy looks like and it never looks like us. And yeah. so when these things start coming to the surface and we start actually seeing that this is happening um these videos the like that are so horrific and so traumatizing. Yeah. that are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um it really, it, you know, we can't just say like, well, how do we know what really happened? It's it, like, you're seeing it. Um, it's, it's not something that's really up for debate on mm-hmm. whether or not it's wrong. We now agree this is happening and this is wrong. Right. And the hard thing that I know it's like within me is that like, I want to change the world. You know, <laughs> so many people want that are that are marching and showing up every day and making signs. They want to change the world, mm-hmm. and what they're really seeing is that just because you want to doesn't mean that the fight's going to be easy. Just because we're all in agreement that this is a bad thing, that this is a a really dark spot on our American culture. We want to be able to change it instantaneously and it's not going to let up because we can't. It takes a lot to undo what has been done. These roots grow really deep and really dense. Yes. Yes, Mm -hmm. it's true. But I think that there is a spirit of change, that there is a spirit of growth. And, you know, you were talking about this. You and I had a conversation about race and all of these issues in, I think it was April. This was like very, like before the shutdown, before like all of this, we were like talking a lot about this. And it's like very deep, in a very deep way. You're having a lot of these feelings and it was all sort of like, you think it was like a collective thing of like maybe this was all sort of brewing under the surface anyway around these issues of like identity and this has sort of been under the surface for for a lot for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I know well I can only speak really for myself on this. I know that my journey 
in my own self-education and in this unpacking of my own internalized white supremacy, it really started about four years ago. Um, the way it started for me was that I moved to Los Angeles from a very small town in Wisconsin. So I'm from a town of, I think it was like 7,000 people when I was growing up. I think it's now up to 10. Um, but it's a rural town surrounded by cornfields on all sides, predominantly white. And my family, uh, my parents are an interracial couple. My mom is black. My dad's white. They've been together for 39 years, going on 40. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. you know, well, married for that long. They've been together for longer. But, you know, our family in that town, it confused a lot of people. And my presence in my class and among my friends, I... I always felt different. I always felt uncomfortable. I knew I looked different from everyone. But I also, you know, I went along with a lot of things. The ways that people spoke to me, I believed was true. You know, when someone said like, oh my God, Elise, you're not that black because I listened to a certain kind of music or because I spoke in a certain way. I took that as being a fact because I didn't have anything to um, to contrast it against. I didn't have mm -hmm. an experience other than that. So mm -hmm. for a long time, I had a really hard time finding my place in society, allowing my own blackness, allowing myself to feel comfortable in the skin that I'm in and not try to deny it or um, have like a lot of self-hate around it. And when I moved to LA, I came here with a lot of very racist ideas. I was, I mean, my, my whole concept of myself and of society was in this very white supremacist, like, perspective. And it, it wasn't hateful outwardly, but it was self-hate and it was judgment and it was prejudice. And that's absolutely like the, the kindling for hate. Mm -hmm. And I had that within me. And I was in a group uh, on Facebook of a bunch of women of color that all came together just to have a safe space. And I was, it was made very clear to me that I was making that space feel unsafe with the, mm -hmm. the perspective that I had, with the judgments that I had. And when I was first called out, it wasn't like, it felt like an attack. It felt like bullying. I'm like, why are you speaking to me this way? Yeah. When people are saying like, Elise, you're a black woman. And I don't know how you've been able to deny this to yourself for so mm -hmm. long. But as you walk through the world, people see you as a light skinned black woman. And I had this, this concept of myself as being a completely unique creature among the world that like, I could shed both sides of my race and be just like my special little self without realizing that I'm a person among people. And the way that I carry myself, and it, it's it's a really messed up thing that, you know, and I'm sure you have this experience as well. In a white supremacist society or, a, you know, white majority, as we walk through the world, we are a representative of our, our entire race. Oh, yeah, totally. Just to a lot of people, you know? Yeah, completely. And in the way that I was doing that, I was, I was trying so hard to gain the approval and the validation of the white people in my community and the white people mm -hmm. in my little society, my little circle. Mm -hmm. And in that, 
I was the black friend that was allowing my friends to be racist. I was the mm-hmm. black friend that was participating in that racism. Yeah. And when I then found myself in a community of of women of color, they were like, "No, no, no. That's that's not okay. <laughs> like yeah. you can't. Yeah. Like that's that's a really harmful way to be thinking and and at first I was so mad and I got blocked from this group for like, you know, self-victimizing. Why are you doing this to me? And and made it really self-centered. And then I had this this moment of clarity that for the first time in my life, I thought, what if I'm wrong? Mm. And that question is the the thing that opened up my entire perspective. That's what gave me the first glimmer into what needs to be changed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's taken a lot of, a lot of work to unpack all of that. And I, I can't, I mean, it didn't happen instantaneously by any means, and it's still happening slowly today. There are a lot of things, a lot of ways that I see the world today, a lot of voices in the back of my head that will pop in that are really, that like, I'm catching. I'm like, whoa, that, that was something that I just thought, uh-huh. <laughs> like what, what's going on? And I know that a lot of white people right now are having that experience where they're walking mm-hmm. through the world listening and they're like, Oh my God, that thought that I just had is exactly what I was yelling at someone on Facebook about five minutes ago, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and that's so important. I think I, I finally was able to free myself from a lot of the fear when like the fear of being, the fear of being wrong by ex- ex- allowing myself to be wrong, allowing my mistakes, saying that like, okay, that is where the problem is. Now, how how can I find the solution? And the article that I that I wrote, um, Dear White Friends, um, it's, it was initially written toward three people on my Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I'll go into that a little bit more. But um the the reason that I wrote it the way that I did is because it it frustrated it frustrates me so much that there are so many people right now that because of this movement they're like Black Lives Matter all over their social media and saying you know calling out their friends on social media for being silent why aren't you saying anything like why are you posting a video of you doing makeup right now when the whole world is in crisis and it's like okay I understand that you're outraged. Of course, I understand that outrage. But this is an outrage that has been that has been going on for 400 years, mm-hmm. you know? And because now you are waking up to it, I think it's important for us to have humility in being able to look at our own actions and rather than immediately throwing that outrage at somebody else, I'm so mad at you because you are on the wrong side of history. It's like, actually, I guarantee you, that you have been too, that I have been too. And for those three people that I specifically wrote it for, one of them is a guy I used to date. And when the um, there were all these protests around Ferguson and there was a, a, a Dontre Hamilton who was killed in Milwaukee at Red Arrow Park. Um, in my article, I said he was shot 10 times. It was actually 14. Someone corrected me. I want to be clear about that. But there were these protests that were block people were blocking off the freeway and everyone on my Facebook, all of my friends, my closest friends were like, run them over. Just if I was there, I would just run them over. And this guy that I used to date 
was one of those people. He, I remember a picture that he posted, which was like just a car driving into people with them flying over the car and just saying like, this is how I feel about Black Lives Matter. And now every day he's posting something just like, how could we still have racism in 2020? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's because <laughs> like, because you, yeah. honestly, you know, yeah. it's, and the fact that I didn't call those things out, that I didn't fight against them. It's also because of me. Yeah. And so I totally believe that people can change and move forward and have beautiful revelations and, and learning experiences. But in order for that to feel like it's genuine and to feel like it's not something that is a a performance, I need, I, I need to know that you understand your part in it. I need to know that I'm not the only one who's doing this unpacking, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, and I want to encourage people to really unpack that within themselves. You don't have to share it on social media. You don't have to write me a letter telling me all of the things that you did that were racist, but like take an inventory of it. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. What does that look like for you? What has it looked like in your own life? Right. I went on a tangent there. (laughs) No, no, it's good though. But I think it's good like to even talk about it because, um, I think that like the fear of making mistakes is that that's what keeps people silent and that Mm -hmm. that white silence keeps us stuck in that racism, you know, and that fear of making the mistake is really what 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 what's what keeps us stuck. And that's what's worse, you Mm -hmm. know, so it's like. Go ahead, make the mistakes. It's okay to make the mistakes. What's worse is to just be stuck in that, like, fear of making them. And then, yeah. you know, like, I think it's okay to make those mistakes. It's okay to to say uh, whatever it is and then be corrected and then move on. And then don't be yes. stuck in the shame of the correction, which I think is what people get stuck in it because they think, oh, they've got to be right the whole time. And it's like... You don't have to be right and you're not going to be right the whole time. Um, And I think it is like the sort of thing of like, yeah, but I'm the oppressor. I have to be right. (laughs) 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 You don't. It's like the the sort Mm -hmm. of thing of like, yeah, you you need to sort of give up the mantle of superiority and like stop being the oppressor. You know, just like stop. Yeah. Yeah. There's... uh... Yeah, that's, that's a really, that's a really big part of it. And that's something that, you know, I, I read the comments. I've read all the comments on my article, which I don't recommend anybody does, but Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad that I did because it gave me an idea of how people are receiving it. And Mm -hmm. one of the major things that I heard was, um, why are you villainizing people that are just trying to do their best? And I want to be really clear that that was not at all my intention. And I know that in the way that I wrote it too, I wrote it when I was really upset. It was a day that I cried so much and I just needed to put something down. It wasn't something that I intended to even like publish on that grand of a platform and have that many people see, but it was something that needed to come out. And, um, and I I agree with that. I I do agree that like people are just trying to do their best right now. And sometimes they are going to screw something up. And I, I, you know, I wrote another article about um, it was the problematic potential of white noise. And it was how the outrage 
like white outrage right now. It's mm -hmm. huge. And it that that's where a lot of a lot of the fuel for the fire is coming from. But I, I really want it to be focused. I really want that outrage to be focused. And that's what I'm trying to focus on with myself. When I get into that, like, really upset place, I do need to have a place of pause. When I wrote that article, it wasn't like, I'm so mad and I'm, like, doing like this. It was like, I needed to cry. I needed to let that stuff out. How am I actually feeling? Okay, here it is. Mm -hmm. And trying to navigate our emotions as human beings in America right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of it's a, it's a superpower. Like if you're able to just like feel something and then like put some pause between that, that the thought, the feeling and the action, like inserting a few breaths in between each one to make sure that you're staying grounded is so important. And I don't want anyone to think that I you know, that their best intentions, like, well, that's not good enough. That's not my intention. My intention is to like, okay, I understand that you're having these feelings and you want to do something for the better of, of black people. Um, you want to create change. You want to save the world. Amazing. Good. Mm -hmm. Let's mm -hmm. do it. But we need to, to do this in a way that we can like, okay, I'm, these feelings are why I want to do this. Yeah. So I'm going to take a deep breath and let those feelings pass and remind myself that there is a mission that's here. Yeah. Not to make it about me, not to make it about like just this, you know, the the shame of it. I'm not going to be acting out of that shame. Yeah. I need to have allow myself to feel it. Okay, I feel that. I recognize it. Then what actions can I take in a direction that can actually make change for the better? Yeah. And it's a, there's a much greater purpose here. I mean, it's a really important thing to talk about and 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 um get perspective on and to you know, to have a larger conversation about because so many people are sort of stuck in this place of like unable to verbalize exactly how to go about it and what's great too is to have artists put words to all of these feelings and put uh, mm -hmm. action to all of these feelings, you know, because it's like a very difficult place that we're in. And it's like, what kind of art can we create around this, whether it's just writing or even just talking about it or creating art about it, you know, and it's like, it's almost like we'll get to that point of creating art about it. It's like now it's just like the function of art to just have artists process it, mm -hmm. I think, yeah, right now, absolutely, because we're just experiencing it. And now it's like, we'll take this point of like, okay, now like as artists, we'll just experience it and now we'll take it from here and then create art about it. And then, you know, like then it'll, it'll, it'll just gradually sort of like move into society, but it's just like, we're just experiencing it all. Like it, it, mm -hmm. it'll vibrate through society, you know? And it's just a very, yeah. I mean, it's a hard thing. It's a very tough thing. And um, everybody has all of these, feelings about it some of it comes out in outrage even like stuff like outrage at um it's funny how it comes out um that thing that all of those actors did about uh like how they're not going to be racist anymore like the what was uh, <laughs> you know the you know all those like actors that, <laughs> like julianne moore and kristen bell and it's yeah. so funny how yeah. mad people got and i'm like <laughs> it's really it's kind of a funny video too because they're okay. super upset, and I'm like, "Why are they reading? They're reading." That was the thing that really got me. Where it's like, so "Oh funny. God, who was it? Someone was, um, someone was like really close, but like oh, you yeah. could tell that He's they like, were like, they're like their eyes are because moving. their eyes are like moving, <laughs> and we're acting, but their eyes are moving." It's so 
when you can see someone, like, that's the thing. Like, you're not supposed to see someone act, right? Yes. <laughs> you're supposed to believe that they mean it. But, like, for actors to then very, like, they were acting these feelings. Yeah. And it, like, I, I wasn't <laughs> outraged by it. Like, I wasn't, like, angry to the point that I, I needed to write a nasty email or something. But, like, I, I was like, really, you guys? Like, you find, okay, this is how we're gonna, this is how, where we're gonna go with this. Element of it because it was <laughs> it was so heartfelt, but it was the teleprompter too. So that was the disconnect of like it's like you're reading the news, but you're like emoting. It was the guy from Breaking Bad. Yes, <laughs> that was really funny. That was really funny because it was oh so heartfelt, but it was still the teleprompter. So it was like yeah. you really felt it, but not enough to memorize. <laughs> there were there were like two people that I'm pretty sure had it memorized, and I was like, excellent, great job. But that's the thing where like I can you like I, I imagine what that was like, where it's like you know you get this you get an email that says, hey, we uh, you know it would be a good idea for you to participate in this. It's for yeah. a good cause and whatever. And so they're like, okay, soft black and white filter. <laughs> I mean, they're probably doing it at home by themselves, you know, and yeah, they're like trying yeah. to do it really fast. They're like, we need it by the end of the day. And then, of course, and I love Julianne Moore. She's actually great. She's actually a great mm-hmm. person. She's really nice. And she's she's definitely like, all of them politically are super. Everybody's definitely cool. You know, totally, but totally, you know, got yeah. like you have a whole bunch of text to like, and they're probably not sure like who they're going to do what and they have a lot, a lot of things to memorize. And they're like, oh, shit, I got to do it by myself. And then they probably deleted the the good one accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> Their internet's cutting out, right. and they're like trying to get. It, and they're like, uh, you know, whatever. Like, I want to. I really, I want to see what the blooper reel was for yeah. that, because you know that there were so many extra takes that were just like, wait, was that racist? Racism. Okay. Ah, that's a, okay. ah, shoot. Okay. I'm not gonna. Oh, okay, uh, 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 trying to be serious. I mean, it's yes, like really I'm serious. sure it was very hard. I'm sure I'm, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. difficult. I'm sure they did a great yes. whatever, you know. But it was funny how everybody. It was definitely like similar to the similar reaction to that. Imagine uh, when everybody was singing "Imagine." Yeah, I think that that just. I mean. That's so funny to me, especially now. We've been in in quarantine. We've been in a pandemic for how many months now? Like it's it's, it's summer. Like it's it's fully about to be summer. Yeah. And this happened. This started like right before the beginning of spring. So like we, <laughs> it's been a while yeah. since we've been in. It's been a whole season. And they did that like two weeks in. Right. It's two weeks in. It's like oh my god. Let's. You know what? I'm going to go to my grotto and I'm going to record <laughs> this very heartfelt video um, version of Imagine. And like, I don't know. I feel like John Lennon would be rolling in his grave right now, to be honest. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. And it's so funny because it's just like, nobody wants to see that. No. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. 
juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. My favorite thing that has come out of, like, quarantine celebrities getting together to do something was the stunt video um, with Zoe Bell. I don't know if you saw it was like Zoe oh. Bell started this thing where like it was they were all like fighting each other. So one person would like, you oh, know, yeah, that was the, good. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That gave me I mean, that was like my my good feels for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for like a good couple of weeks. I felt great about that. I'm like, yes, yeah. it was yeah. all of these incredible, strong women like and also, you know, one of my favorite movies of all time is Death Proof. And so um, to have like everyone who was in that movie. Also, so be on there. Just like it tickled me. Yeah. Anyway, that was a, that was a tangent. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, no. Back what you're saying though is like the outrage that we have right now. It it's all over the place because we're having a lot of feelings, and I know that when I'm upset, if there's something going on inside of me, everything that I look at is going to be something that pisses me off. So even when we're not in a pandemic and this massive racial tension, if I am, if I wake up on the wrong side of the bed in the morning, like someone could not, you know, not use their turn signal. And that would be a reason for me to want to make an angry Facebook post. You know, (laughs) I would want to like take to it. But right now we're in our house, we're in our homes. You know, most of us are still like, for the most part, still very isolated. Um, And we already have all of this, like, this upset, this tension that's within us, this anxiety of what's going to be happening. And then when you mix into that a massive tragedy that is everywhere, that's a very traumatizing video for anyone to watch. Um, And you add that to the, like there's this social tension between like races and the power structure of America, the hierarchy of class, the class system with all of that mixed together. Now everything has come to a head and we have this, like this massively inflamed whitehead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, what do we do with that? You know? Mm -hmm. And it's just getting angry and angrier. And like, you know, there are two ways to treat a whitehead. You can try to treat it from the outside mm-hmm. or you can pop it yeah. <laughs> and see what happens when it heals. You know, either way, it's going to be messy. It's yeah. not going to take, it's not going to be immediate. It's going to be very hard. It's going to be a long, a long journey. But like, you know, I am glad that all of this is brought to a head, but the, the outrage, I feel like because we're so, it's such a constant thing. We're constantly looking at Instagram or on Facebook or on Twitter. And like, we're reading these headlines and we're taking in all of this information and there's not a lot of good news. And so it's just more and more reasons to have this like deep anxiety of like, I can't do anything. I don't have any power over this. And, um, you know, the people that are trying to do something, a lot of those things feel like they're not doing anything. 
but we have had some change, you know, some, like a lot of things have, have shifted, you know, I think that a lot more is to come for sure. But for me, I have been, uh, running off to nature on the weekends. I shut my phone off and I go for a hike and I camp (laughs) alone, completely alone. Cause I'm still in isolation. I, um, I, I don't, I'm not ready to like reenter society yet. Mm -hmm. So I I pack up my car and I drive as far away as I can, <laughs> and I just go into nature. I've I yeah. climbed up, climbed up a mountain. I've um, I'm like going horseback riding this weekend. I That's you know beautiful. like things where I can connect into it, like f- remembering that my feet are on the ground on this mm-hmm. planet for a reason and. There is a lot of tension and there's there are so many things that I'm fighting for. But unless my well is full, I can't help anyone else. You know, yeah. I don't have anything to pour into the other cup. So I need to make sure that my well is full first. That's and I feel like a lot. I want a lot like if I that has worked so well for me. And that's given me the ability to look at this as a marathon and not a sprint. Yeah, because um, that's what it is. And if we're running, if if you're running purely on outrage and anger right now, you are going to burn out, right. and and it's not going to look good. There will be a lot of depression. There will be a lot of people giving up. And I I want to encourage, I want to encourage people to look at black joy. Mm. <laughs> um, I was actually just on the phone yesterday with a, a friend of mine, and she was really struggling right now because she had a similar situation to me where, you know, she's a black woman and she's in an, you know, alternative community. And, and like a lot of her friends are white and a lot of her friends are suddenly kind of showing themselves Mm. for their beliefs. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard for her to process this because these are people that used to make her feel really safe. Um, That suddenly it doesn't feel as safe anymore. And when she and I were talking, you know, I was kind of like, I was remembering like, you know, when was the last time that you allowed yourself to like turn off your phone and go have a nice time? Like what, like when you laughed and I was like laughing right now for black people in America, our joy is a protest. Yeah. Because I, I almost feel, I felt bad when I first, like, I wrote the article and I disappeared. I went like four and a half hours north into the middle of nowhere and I camped for a night and climbed a mountain. And I felt so purely joyful, mm. like really connected, really happy, really safe within my own body. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I was afraid to share it. I was afraid to tell anyone about it because I thought it would seem like I was being insensitive. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Like what that feeling, like that wanting to be like, no, 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 I no, yes, I'm very, I'm, I'm extremely always sad. I have to be always sad and in sorrow and in suffering in order for you to take this seriously. And the actual superpower of black people in America is our joy. Right. There right. is so, there are so many reasons to suffer. There are right. so many, um, I mean, there, it's a life of constant injustice, mm-hmm. but to be able to like, to be alone and feel safe in your own body, that is a protest. Right, right. To, absolutely, you know, to be among your friends and to be able to laugh and have a nice time, that is a form of protest. Absolutely, you know? yes. And 
right now, I know that there are a lot of white people who are like, what is all of this suffering? Like, what do I do with all of this? What do I do with all of this anger? And you're, if you're listening to black suffering and you're listening to black pain, maybe you can also learn something from black joy. Right. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's so, that's so true. That's so true. That's the real lesson, you know, is that that's the true power of like plugging into that, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. and that's the true meaning of life really is like, where, where can that joy be found through all of that suffering? You know, yeah. that's the, the joy that's truly hard won. Absolutely. I will say too, I'm going to be like completely honest. I have a lot of privilege. I am a very privileged person. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, grew up in a middle-class family and I have both of my parents. Um, I have a college education that I am still in debt for. <laughs> a lot of student loan debt, but I still, you know, I, I have that. I have a roof over my head. Um, I have a loving support system of people in my life. And I know that I am a very privileged person. So I, I know that even though I have had some very scary run-ins with police, I am not the first person that they're going after, mm -hmm. you know, but I do, I, I have that in, in perspective. And I know that the, what I'm trying to do right now and with the work that I'm doing, with the writing that I'm doing, the reason why I'm primarily addressing white people is because that is who I grew up around. And those are the people that I have listened to so much that I'm finally like, okay, now it's time to listen to me. Yeah. Um, I don't feel that I in any way have the right to speak uh, on behalf of all black people by any means. Mm -hmm. But I like in sharing my own personal story and my own personal strengths, um, the things that I find that I connect with, like if somebody is able to hear me, they're able to hear one facet of what it is like. I've been, you know, connecting with my family a lot more and looking into what it has, what it has always been like, you know, I shut off from my family quite a bit and it wasn't, it was like, you know, proximity number one. I grew up closer to the white side of my family. Um, but I also, I had to be really honest and say like, I had a lot of judgment. I had a lot of judgment of the way that some people were living in my own family mm -hmm. and thinking like, well, why aren't you doing things better? And um, something that I've written about recently is that like I've been studying a little bit about respectability politics and it's that if, you know, like we all kind of have this place in society that we're expected to always have, you know, we're expected to only be this way. Like white men are the only ones that can be business leaders. Like white women are subordinate. They make good secretaries and mothers. Um, a black man is acceptable in society as long as he is entertaining, doing physical labor, including sports, and as long as he doesn't take a political side. And, you know, for black women, it's either we are like purely sex objects or like this warm and nurturing like mammy, you know, and to exist simply as myself and as yourself in, in the world and to not align with those things is a form of protest against the concept that we have to be a certain way mm -hmm. when we have people on social media saying like, what would Martin Luther King say? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, uh, you know, like, uh, probably that, <laughs> like 
why are you bringing up the only black name that you know? <laughs> and it tell people how to be like, it's so, it's so silly to me, but you know, even, um, our, our judgments of people when they don't fit into those categories. Oh yeah. I like, mean, to be in denial, like it's like to be in denial of those societal roles that are set out for you basically by white supremacy, like for, mm-hmm. for Asian yeah. women to be, to be like not a, um, not a servant to do to be not a uh, submissive flower to not be like pining for an american gi to not be mm-hmm. like madam exactly. butterfly to not be a dragon lady to be in a like you know opinionated to be um to have agency to have all of these things as um an immigrant as a woman of color as um anybody that is different like then what you're sort of racially predetermined to be in this America is very, very much protest. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's exactly why I I believe that black joy is a form of protest, because the way that a lot of white people in America see black people is like, I mean, if you look at movies, okay, you have slave movies, you have criminal movies, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. have like, there, there aren't, there isn't a whole heck of a lot of nuance. Right. You know, it's the black best friend who's like, you know, helping out the lead character. Right. And with and lots of like now, sage advice, yeah. like that's the thing is like, yeah. they're always the magical turned to Negro. for like exactly salt of the earth, like salt of the earth, yeah. like sage wisdom. <laughs> like wh- what, like it's so weird how the uh characters that are sort of like sideline have all of the the mystery of life like decoded <laughs> it's so um yeah. weirdly patronizing but also like i don't know what it is it's it's just like the weird wisdom of life but also very like i don't it, it's gross yeah. It's weird. <laughs> it's it's gross for sure. Yeah, and it's and it's also like it's a lot of pressure. I was there, you know. Oh God, I'm not going to remember this woman's name, and I am so upset. I should have written it down. Oh my gosh, why didn't I? anyway? Um, oh, what is her name? She's incredible, and I cannot remember. Okay, whatever. I'm going to not talk about that. But what she was saying is how um, the concept of the strong black woman is it can be just as harmful as the Mammy and the Jezebel. This concept that if I, like, it, it, it leaves very little room for me to be flawed, for for Black women to be flawed, um, for for Black women to make mistakes and to just be, like, walking through the world trying to figure it out. Um, black women are, when, you know, in told, like, you, you are a strong, powerful Black woman... Sometimes I feel weak. Sometimes I feel depressed. Sometimes I'm really struggling. And in those cases, it's like, okay, where do I feel safe to ask for help? There's a, a lot of like pride in there too, you know, um, in a, in a positive and in, in a hindering sort of way as well, where like when I'm constantly told that I have to be strong, I don't know that I can trust when I have to be weak that I can go to those people and say, hey, I'm having a hard time and I need help mm-hmm. without being seen as someone who's asking for a handout. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know? 
I, I was writing about this last night, um, where the great fable in America is that black can be defined, but white can't. Mm. How white people are allowed so much nuance. That's mm-hmm. just something that people do. But when I do something, it's a black thing. Mm. And if it doesn't fit into this idea of what black is, then it's it's some, like uh, people just sh- kind of shake their heads and don't understand it and walk away from it because it doesn't make sense, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, for me, coming into my own concept of my own blackness, I had to allow myself to be a black woman who listens to folk music and Matchbox 20. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's great. I love it. You know, I, I had to like, I am a black woman and my favorite hobby as a kid was going to see car racing, like NASCAR mm-hmm. style car racing. I loved it. It was so fun. I, think I used that's to do great. that with my dad all the time. <laughs> you know, and awesome. oh man, like there are so many nuances to it where it's like, how, why do I feel like, like black needs to be defined in one way or another? It doesn't. You know what? And um, America and our story of it and... The way that it's embodied itself in me is that, like, well, Black people do this. Mm-hmm. Well, Black people are like this. Well, Black people mm-hmm. think this way. And, like, you would never say that about white people because no. white people are allowed their nuance, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, yeah, when white people get upset when I call them white. Like, okay, but you've been calling me Black my whole life, so are you just regular? And then I'm... <laughs> I like not, but like that is white supremacy. Like, mm-hmm. I want I want to make sure people really understand that white supremacy is that you can walk through the world and not ever consider your own race. Right, right. It's so true. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. I love you. I'm so glad I, I got to you. see you. Thank <sighs> you. I miss you. Hopefully, we'll see each other in person sometime soon, sooner than yes. later. I would it's been love so that. long. Where can people find you and find all your things and all your Insta handle and what's what's what and <laughs> what's happening? Um, well, I've been writing a lot on uh, Medium. So um, mm-hmm. if you look me up on Medium, it's Elise Cizek. Yes. Um, and I'm sure you'll have the spelling somewhere. Yes. Um, and... Uh, also I'm on Insta, you know, follow me on Insta, Elise underscore, just underscore Elise. Um, and I, I keep trying to get into Twitter and it's just not going to happen. I'm not going to be a Twitter person. I can't, <laughs> I can't get there. Um, but right now those are the two best places to find me. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Elise. <laughs> thank you so much, Margaret. I adore you. I, I adore, adore your you. perspective on the world and everything you've shared with me. And I'm really grateful that you've shared your platform with me today. It's taking over my dreams, waking me out of my sleep. I think I'm coming apart. The Margaret Show is an Erios production with editing by Tracy Levy and original music by Garrison Starr. Never miss an episode of The Margaret Show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Powered by ACAST.
would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.